It was English scholar and writer Thomas Gray who coined the phrase, ignorance is bliss. But how can that phrase apply to the 21st century believer? With record numbers in homelessness, hunger, and yes, slavery running rampant, is it acceptable for you and I to turn a blind eye? Or are we called to respond to that which we become aware of? We'll address that and more on this edition of Gems of Grace, when ignorance is bliss. If you've been listening to Gems of Grace, I want to thank you. But if you've been listening, you know we kicked it off a few weeks ago talking about justice and discussing what justice is and how we serve it. We moved on to talk about what Jesus did and said about justice. Last week, we slightly veered off from the subject of justice to talk about discipleship. But this week, I want to turn back to justice and talk about when ignorance is bliss. In my opinion, it's impossible nearly to be alive in the 21st century without being exposed to some type of injustice. And if you aren't exposed to it, that may be a warning sign to check and be sure you're not the one administering the injustice. Even so, once we are exposed to it, it's important to not turn a deaf ear or a blind eye. In all of Scripture, there are only two places I can think of where people are turned away almost literally at the gates of heaven. There may be more, but the one that applies to this topic is found in Matthew 25, verses 41 through 46. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Some will argue about whether these verses are meant literally or figuratively, but I'm not sure I want to take a chance on doing guesswork. And even if it is meant figuratively, what does our passion behind proving that point as the main focus say about how we care for people? And this is not to incite a debate on once saved, always saved. What my point is, it's to establish an overall level of importance on recognizing when help is needed and responding to it as a body of believers in Jesus Christ. The Israelites battled with this too, but God responded in Micah 6, 8. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's as if the people of Israel were willing to do anything, including kill their own babies, rather than respond to the call of justice God had charged them to. Because the question which brought that response from God was in the preceding verses. What can we bring to the Lord? 
Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? In this passage, the people of Israel seem to say, God, let's make a deal. You want something meaningful from me, so here's the bargain. I'm not going to give you what you ask for. In fact, I'll pretend I don't even remember what you've required of me because I'm going to give you something that's even more meaningful. I'm going to give you my firstborn. I'm going to give you the thing that means the most to me. Whatever you do, just don't make me put arms around a homeless person. I may come out smelling like them. Don't make me share food with the single mom down the street that just got laid off. By all means, don't make me go down the street and spend time with the old widow man whose heart is broken because he just lost his his husband. They might think, I'm one of them, God. God will always require of us the thing we hold dearest whenever the thing we hold dearest is not him. Ask Job as he received report after report of the casualties of all that mattered to him one by one. You could ask Abraham as he made preparations to sacrifice his own son. Maybe the Israelites thought God might pull in Abraham and not make them sacrifice their children after all, or be his agents of justice for that matter. On the surface, you would think the Israelites valued their children above their conveniences. Scripture, however, never indicates God even coming close to suggesting they offer their children. So why bring that up of all things? I believe if the Israelites held their children higher than their own conveniences, they would have simply sacrificed their conveniences and kept their children. That way, God would have gotten what he wanted, and they would have gotten to keep what they valued the most. That would have been a win-win situation. I believe the Israelites understood, just as I believe the 21st century church understands, that once we acknowledge the charge to justice on each and every Christian life, we can never not recognize it again. Jesus said the poor we would always have with us. That can be found in Matthew 26, 11, or Mark 14 and 7. We can sing in the choir and take time off when we need to, or move on if and when we feel the Spirit tugging us in another direction. We can retire from the pastorate once we feel too old to do it anymore, or when we feel like it's time to pass the baton to a younger, more energetic and capable person. Those things we may be called to for a season. Justice, however, is rooted in love. Since we are called to love always, we can't flirt with justice. We can't make it our side piece, spiritually speaking, or our weekend romance. Since justice is rooted in love, we are called to it 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Justice is a lifetime commitment. Always is a tough pill to swallow because it intimates dedication to foreign territories. It detaches us from the pride of backpatting and attaboys for an occasional excursion to and from a harsh environment. Always invokes separation anxiety from the familiar sloths of our comfort zones into the eternal ground zeros of spiritual warfare. It exposes our true hearts as it reaches the unfamiliar circles like war-torn, gang-dominated, crime-infested areas. 
It causes us to interact with people who don't look like us, but speak similarly enough that conversing becomes inescapable. It causes us to confront our privileges and makes us to possibly even stay awake at night because we know that there are people who breathe and hurt just like we do who may never have our same opportunities. Always is an uncomfortable place, and ignorance is bliss. It's been so good to have you with us. I never take lightly your decision to listen to me share God's word. Remember, please, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GE Missions. Thanks once again for tuning in. For Gems of Grace, I am Wade T. Long.